Hi, this is Michael McIntyre with Leadership 300 and the Next Level Experience. And if you want to create a profitable, scalable, and impactful kingdom of business, you should be listening to the Eternal Entrepreneurial Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Joe Newton, and along with my co-host, Pierce Brantley, we talk with some of the most impactful Christian business leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners so that together we can continue to grow in knowledge and an identity that ends in freedom. We believe that partnering with God is the only way to build a profitable, scalable, and impactful kingdom business. So if you want to scale your business, grow your profits, and have confidence in hearing God's voice, then you're in the right place. Because this is the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for episode three of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Pierce Brantley along with my co-host Joe Newton and we cannot be more excited to share with you our conversation today with Michael McIntyre. Michael has served in the U.S. Air Force, was CEO of a large church movement and founded one of the top insurance agencies in the U.S., a company valued at over $3 billion dollars. Since selling that company, Michael is now focused on helping empower the body of Christ through coaching, mentoring, and events such as the Next Level Experience. Before we jump into the interview today, we want to ask if you would help us out by leaving us a five-star review and sharing the podcast with a friend. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business, with Any Boss, at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Now, on to the interview. All right. Well, we are live. It's good to be here. Yes, it is. Thank you, Joe. So I want to jump right in, Michael. I had another question, like a context, like how did you grow up question at the beginning, but I felt like I was supposed to start off with this question. So the question is, why are you here? Why is a guy who built a $3 billion business who pays more in property taxes than I make in a year <laughs> who could call up influential kings and princes in the city of Dallas. Why did you get in your car on a rainy Tuesday to come out to a podcast that you had no idea what it was about? Because of you, Joe, because you matter. Yeah. I've known you for a long time. And I guess probably, I guess I probably first met you, what, seven years ago, maybe at Upper Room? Seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Seven there. or eight years ago. A while. And, uh, yeah. And you and I've had coffee together several times <laughs> and I've got, I've got to coach you and got to work with you. And I knew you before you met Taylor. I knew you, you know, I knew you. After <laughs> That's my wife for those who are listening. Yeah. Which is great. And so I just, I've watched you grow up and I've watched you step into the business world and it excites me that you are coachable and that you're a godly man and that you're, you're moving. And so anytime I can be around moving entrepreneurs, and come up underneath them. I think it's, uh, it's my duty. It's my desire to give back and to walk where Jesus wants me to walk. So I hope awesome. that, I hope that's a good answer Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> because I, uh, the other reason is this is a cool studio, bro. <laughs> I mean, this is a plus yeah. double plus. And Put so, the candy out there and yes, you get Michael. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, that kind of brings me to something I'd love to hear about. Cause I, I know you are the American dream. You lived the entrepreneurial life, like you built the business from scratch, had all the the toys. But now I know you spend more time reaching down and pulling others up than you do anything else. And I'm just curious, what what did that transition look like for you? Was that an overnight thing or is that just who you are? Is that? Yeah, it's a great question. No, it wasn't an overnight thing. You know, when I sold my company in 2007 and uh, was very blessed and did really well financially, which was really good. And, but I got tired. I got to the point, I was 27 years in the business. And after a while, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it was exciting. It was, it was hard sometimes, but I, I just felt that it was time to move on. Yeah. And plus the zeros behind that comma looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, okay, <laughs> let's go to what's next. And so in that process, and it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because I'm, mm. I'm a doer. I do things. I do. And, and I get life from moving and, and making things happen and creating things from nothing really excites me. So when I sold the company and I got out of the business, there was a three month period that was really difficult, maybe even six months. And so what I did is 
I gave my life to Jesus at that point. And I did it for a whole, it was a crazy experience. And I know you've heard some of my testimony in the past, Joe. I know Pierce hasn't heard it, but in that process, I had a, I always, I joked that uh, I had a, uh, Jesus knocked me off my Bentley on the way to Damascus. <laughs> <laughs> and on my road to Damascus, it was a quite a big, it was a big deal. And in that process, God said, listen, I've dealt you a great hand, McIntyre. You've, you've been given a great hand. And so what I want you to do is I want you to play this and I don't want you to play with scared money. And what he meant, I thought, I felt that what he meant by that is I've given, I've been given a lot yeah, and in many, many different ways. And so I wanted to come out there and jump out into that kingdom world. And I did for a while with, I started out with a, a big mega church here in Dallas and by the name of Watermark, which was really, it was a wonderful on-ramping for me. Todd Wagner and I became friends and he was really good at bringing me into the Christianity world, the true Christianity world, because yeah. I had never experienced it before. And, but then after about six years, Stacy, my wife said, listen, we need more meat and potatoes. And so that's when we got into the, the charismania world. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I met you, Joe. And in that world, I felt that there was a strong need for what God has blessed me with. And so I stepped into that place and and it was it was really getting out of my comfort zone to do that because I I was pretty comfortable. I didn't have to do that. Yeah. And so stepping into that place was really different. And when I say different, sometimes it was really fun and other times it was painfully hard. But I think God calls us to do those things to stretch us. So I jumped into that world and in that world I found that there was a huge need for people that want to experience wealth, to figure out how to get wealthy. And everybody's term of wealth is different. And so, but what I wanted to do is to share the God-given abilities that I had with other people that didn't understand that. And Lance Wall now really helped me with that. He said that McIntyre brings the secular world secrets into the non-secular world mm. in an elegant way. And I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. And so that's kind of why I did it. Yeah. I love that. So I think you have a really interesting perspective because you've had a company that's multi, multi-million dollars that you were able to sell. Then you're on the other spectrum here as well, where you do coaching and you're able to get really intimate with people. And oftentimes those are kind of broadly speaking, those are the two types of business owners that kind of fall into things. You have the solopreneur who's really successful, but they're really focused. And then you have people who are able to build something of a legacy that takes a long amount of time. So in that, how, what are the biggest differences in terms of mindset that someone needs to be equipped for to kind of play to either one of those strengths? Because it's, you're, you're almost like an entrepreneur, like ambivert. You're able to do both. So how do those two, things, how do those two things work for you? And what are the biggest differences for someone who's trying to figure out, well, do I want to build something that takes 10 years or do I want to hit the ground running and just get my first client? Yeah. So what happens a lot of times, Pierce, is especially in the Christian realm, what I've learned working with the Christian community and entrepreneurs is they sometimes they get this faux fear wall, which the enemy puts up. And I call it a faux fear because faux is French for fake, right? And so the French like that, you know, so I honor them every now. <laughs> but it's a faux wall, it's fake. And so the enemy puts that up. And so what I, what I, and in the secular world, they don't look at it that way. They don't look at that. They look at, okay, here's, here's an obstacle. They look at that as an opportunity, what in the Christian world, not all Christians, but a lot of Christians look at that wall as a fear, as an obstacle, and it's fear-based. And what that is, because in the secular world, whether the, if they're not believers, the enemy doesn't care about them, right? And so, but in the Christian world, the enemy cares if you break through that wall because yeah. he's stopping you from doing that. And so what we, what I, what I coach people in is how to get past that fear, because if you, your biggest opportunity is on the other side of that fear, and the bigger deal you are in his kingdom, the bigger the opportunity is, and, but also the bigger the faux wall that comes up. And so coaching those people in that process and saying, okay, let's stop the poverty mindset because so many Christians out there constantly feel that, okay, I'm going to serve the mission field the rest of my life and beg for money. And that's okay. And I just don't think it is. I feel that as Christians, for me, we should be the wealthiest persons walking the face of the earth bar none. We should outpace the statistically billionaires two to one over the non-secular. So I look at it from a possibility that, hey, why don't you step through this fear? Why don't you go through this anyway? And what's the worst thing that could happen? 
And a lot of times we process that out. And I think Joe had te- texted to me that uh, <laughs> not too long ago about fear and why do people get behind that fear and why do people not move in that direction? So I don't know if I answered your question, Pierce, but I think it sounded good. Yeah, it sounded really good. <laughs> so there's the faith aspect and there's the function aspect. It takes those two together. Yeah, basically. because you've got what I talk about a lot of times in the spiritual world, in the charismania world, sometimes everything is over-spiritualized, yeah. right? And it just happens, and I get it. And so what I do is I take the practical, the pragmatic. Rocks are hard, water's wet, right? And yes, there's a supernatural battle out there. Yes, there's a spiritual warfare, yes. But you've got to... You've Walk in, you know, God created this world in the natural physics, right? We walk in, this is a physical, gravity every day affects our body Yeah. every day. And he created that. So we got to deal with that. Yeah. So when you get to the pragmatic of it, the practical of it, but then you bring the Holy Spirit in or, and, and whatever that might look like as far as business, finance. And listen, Dave Ramsey's great. He's super successful. I get it. I don't subscribe to Dave Ramsey. Not that I think he's a wonderful Christian, great. He's got some great advice, but I'm not going to be a third grader carrying around my lunch money in an envelope. I'm just not going to do that. If I have to do that, then I shouldn't be given any money. <laughs> so I want, I want people to go out there and say, okay, let's not be fear of debt. Because debt is not a fear thing, right? Now, if you're going to take your $20,000 you've saved up and go to Vegas and blow it over the weekend, that's stupid, okay? That's not playing smart. But if you're going to go out there and, and buy and borrow half a million dollars or go out and borrow $50 million for the right reason, that's intelligent. And you can use debt as a fulcrum. So I don't know. I'm just kind of jumping around there. But I don't like people to get into fear. I want them to be practical. I want them to use the spiritual. Deal, know what you're dealing with and walk into that space knowing how to deal in that space with both aspects. I think that's great. I mean, to even you to your point. So you could have faith for a profit model. Or you could just get an equation for a profit model and get that set to the side, right? But to your point, you mentioned kind of there's a, we all have a kind of a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is kind of an undercurrent or maybe even a kind of a guiding factor of those two. So in your own life, what does that look like specifically? Because it sounds like you've kind of gone through a transition as well of reliance, knowing both things. Yeah, it's so good. And I had a, it's funny because, you know, I'm an 11 year old Christian, right? And so I've looked back at my life and realized, and even just in the last couple of years, I remember looking back and seeing how, how Jesus was chasing me, even as a young boy and how I was running real fast. <laughs> and, but I, you know, Sean Bowles, right? And so I was talking to Sean one day and I said, how do I hear the voice of God? Because I want to hear the voice of God, or I want to hear the images. I want to I have that experience, right? And he said, well, God's going to speak to you, McIntyre, in your own language. And I said, okay, give me an example. He says, well, you don't, you don't speak Mandarin. No, I don't. <laughs> and he said, so he's not going to speak to you in Mandarin. He's going to speak to the voice that you recognize, right? Jesus said that they'll recognize me by my voice, right? And so he said, why don't you just reverse engineer your life? So go back to when you first made your first million dollars, your first $10 million, your first $100 million. Look at all the different things that you did. And you got to understand, McIntyre, the Holy Spirit did that because you're not that good. <laughs> I said, touche, Sean, you're right. And so if you look, if I, because what happens when, when I wasn't following Jesus, when I didn't give my life to Jesus and I was making tons of money, I got real paranoid mm. because I didn't believe this was me. And it wasn't me, really, truly, it was God. And God was blessing me for a greater thing at a different time. But it was. And yeah, I've got some business acumen. Yes, I've learned the lexicon. Yes, I know how to walk around a financial statement. I get all that. But God put me in that spot. And if I look back at that time, I knew when I was in the right spot at the right time. I didn't know why I knew, but I just knew. So looking back at it now with my Christian eyes, with my Holy Spirit, looking at, I see where the Holy Spirit was operating in all my businesses. I love that. I love that. It's almost like the stones in the riverbed kind of Joshua yes. type of thing. You can look back. That's cool. So if someone else was trying to kind of find that, what are a couple of points that you would say 
would be useful? Yeah. So I just did an interview with a, a really good guy named Sterling Harris, and he was a former NFL player for Cleveland Browns. And he he did this activation deal at the end of my podcast. I don't know if you heard that, but it freaked me out. <laughs> I did, he goes, okay, McIntyre, say this. Hector, me say this. And oh, gosh, I've got 30,000 people listening to this. What the heck is he going to say to me? But it was really, really cool because he practically walked me through hearing how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And he did this activation on me, and I think it was really good. And one of the things that he told me, too, is that he had an opportunity. He's a great, successful business guy and wonderful story. But he said he had an opportunity to go with two different people on a certain business opportunity. And the first guy looked perfect on paper. Everything was like, yes, he's A+. plus. This guy's the deal. But the Holy Spirit said, no, go with the other guy. And the other guy didn't look good on paper. Long story short, the other guy was perfect. It worked out good. And because in God's kingdom, it's upside down. And it's sometimes really hard. You know, you look at Elon Musk. I mean, this guy is a nut job. Look what he does every day. Right. I mean, he, t- he smokes dope on national TV <laughs> and his stock goes up, right? And then he does crazy things. He tells everybody that his, his stock is overvalued. He gets on national TV and tells his stock is overvalued. Tesla's overvalued and it jumps 20%. <laughs> I don't know if that man knows Jesus. Probably not. Maybe so. I don't know what is in his heart, but the kingdom operates that way. Mm -hmm. And so when we sit there and look at the secular world with haughty eyes as Christians, listen, God's operating in that world too. He really does. And he operates in that world in an upside down world, in an upside down deal. And so when we, because Jesus said, whoever's going to be first shall be last and whoever is last shall be first. And if we look at business as that, instead of the textbook, Business Law 101, I think you'll find some more answers and and be able to hear the Holy Spirit operate in that. But if you just simply ask the Holy Spirit for answers, and I do because I'm very practical and I like to have have the Harry Potter thunderbolt across my forehead, right? (laughs) Or I'll walk out the front door and the burning bush is there. Okay, so I need to do this. Or the billboard, like in Bruce Almighty, start speaking to you with the birds form a deal. I want that. But that doesn't always come. But what does come, what I do ask for, is signs and wonders and validation from people that do not know anything about me, right? And so God will speak to us in those different ways. You just have to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And if you just open that up and ask for the Holy Spirit to open that, that crevice for you to where you can hear that, he'll speak to you. And you know, and a lot of times we feel it in our gut or we get a dream. And what Sterling Harris did for me gave me visions just like that. Can I ask this? Because I think this was probably when I kind of began on this journey as far as trying to learn the practicals of doing business and hearing God's voice. I came up against that that roadblock of it's like, well, how do I set goals? And it's like God hasn't thundered from the voice ahead. I, I haven't heard him say, start this, thou shalt start this company. <laughs> right. So how do you give that practical advice, especially to those newer young entrepreneurs that you're you're working with? It's like, how do they navigate okay, I haven't heard the audible voice of God, but I think I kind of have this idea of this problem I could solve. How do they find that balance? How, yeah. how do you coach them to walk that out? Yeah, it's good. And what I, what I usually tell people to do is, because a lot of times I'll say, how much money do you want to make? Or how big do you want your business to grow? Well, I want to make a bunch. <laughs> could you be more vague? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we worship a perfect God. He's perfect, right? He's the only thing that is perfect, right? That's why he's called holy right? And he's perfect in every way. So you need to come up with your number. You need to get your number. You need to get your vision. You need to figure it out. And mastermind groups are really good for that. Mm -hmm. Find two or three people that you trust implicitly and bring that out. Let them try to sink your battleship. Decide what you want to do. Then once you do have this business or you want to say, what number should I go for, God? How big should I get this business? What kind of business should I start? What I always do is say, look, how much money do you want to make? People say, wow, I haven't really thought about that. Well, think about it because it's important. And as Christians, I think we get into the, I just want to be in kingdom business. I want to serve him. I want to, I want to soak all day and pray all night and spot Gabriel in the clouds, you know. <laughs> and that's all fine and fun. I get it for a minute. But listen, again, rocks are hard, water's wet, we live in gravity. God invented physics. To every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So I encourage people to say, all right, do like Babe Ruth, point. Okay. That's where I'm going, right? That's where I'm, we're going to go. And so I want to hit that ball out there. So if your number is, I want to have $600,000 in the bank, bills paid, 
by 2022, right? Write it down, reverse engineer that, and then get with that, get positive affirmations around that and see that, visualize it. God blessed us with the art of visualization. It's a miracle of visualization. We can play in our mind's eye movies that haven't been created yet. And that's visualization, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you can set that in motion and start looking at that, write down positive affirmations, use Scripture if you like to attach that, which is great, and start saying those things over yourself. 90% of the self-talk that we do all day is negative. Yeah. And that's the enemy. And if we turn that around to paint 90% of our self-talk is positive, naming our prize, the name it, claim it deal, but naming it, naming what we're going to go out there and do. I want to create this business. I want to have 25 employees. I want to create 25 million in revenue. What by when? And put that out there and you start believing that in and start operating in it. People say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, start at the beginning. Okay. Because you cannot, nothing's going to happen until you move. God's not going to move in you until you start moving. Can you give us some practical examples of what that's looked like? For you in practice since you've been- Yeah, sure. I when we first started back in the Stone Age before <laughs> before the internet, we had to do we wanted direct mail leads. We wanted mail leads. And so to do a, a mailing back then, it was a back then it was like two hundred and eighty dollars per thousand to do a mailing to have a, a card to go out to the mail. And and you had to buy a list. You had to get and it was a long process, yeah. much harder back then than it is today. So to do an effective lead piece, we needed to mail at least 100,000 direct mail pieces because we were looking at it was going to probably bring in maybe a half percent to 0.75% whole, right? Respondents. And so we didn't have the money to do 100,000 mail pieces. It was going to cost $18,000 to do that. So we took our Peugeot car, and, which was paid for, and borrowed $18,000 against it. Didn't have any other money. That made me a million dollars in six months when I did that. That's stepping out. That's amazing. I love that story. Because <laughs> we got our, and our poll was 2.78%. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were like, woo. Multiple. Yes. Yeah. And so we, that started it. And that's, that's how we started our $3 billion business. By stepping out, we, had that, we didn't have any money. We borrowed 100% to do that first mailing. And that's how we did it. Love that. So tell me this. Obviously, you've had a lot of big wins, but tell us about some of the losses. Oh, and, and man. What you've heard there. We're yeah. going to bring this room down. It's the humility <laughs> section of the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just so everyone knows you're human. Oh, and, and it's not something special about McIntyre. Because no. you've had your hard times, and that's oh, important yes, I have. for people this, to know that you're not just magical. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. You know, sorcery. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stacey and I have been broke twice, and we didn't like it either time. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, broke, broke. Okay. At one point she was eight months pregnant with our first daughter, Brittany, who's now 30 years old. And we were driving through Burger King. It was a rainy day. I'll never forget it. And we were really down. I was like 90 days behind on all payments. It was really a hard time. I had no insurance and Stacy needed one of the Burger King Whopper. (laughs) And so we're driving through Burger King. And I had just enough money for the Whopper. And then she said, I want cheese on it. I said, great. So I ordered cheese and that put us over. And we cried all the way home. Mm. Boo-hooed out loud, slinging snot all the way home. And it was probably one of the most difficult times. Then we got, then we go, go into the hospital. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll tell you, because it's just us, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't have insurance. And so here... And here I was selling insurance. <laughs> I was selling health insurance and I didn't have any. And so, you know, the bricklayer's house never gets done, right? And so we go check in the hospital and I wrote a $5,000 check that was not good just so we could have this baby. Wow. And that's what we did. And I covered it. But back then, this is back again in Stone Age when they had horse and buggy driving checks to the Federal <laughs> Reserve. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. But it took a week, but I got it covered. And, but, those are the things I remember. And that's where I, I remember that was a difficult time. I grew up and my mother was married and divorced four times. And my dad, he was just not real fond of paying child support. He found out. So, so we had, there was five kids and we, it was a struggle. It was. And I joined the United States Air Force so I could get a college education. And I did it when I, right out of high school, I was 17 years old. And so 
I went into the Air Force and I worked full-time in the Air Force and full-time in college to get a degree. And so it was important to me. So yeah, no, it, it was. And then, then later on after Stacey and I were married, we had a little bit of success. And then a company that I was working for went BK and as companies do sometimes. And so that was a real difficult time for us as well. And so, yeah, we've been through the ringer. And, but at each time in those storms, some of the storms lasted a month, some lasted, one storm lasted a year. And I remember in that storm, and I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in God. I believe that there was a higher power, okay, right. but I didn't believe he was holy or he had a son named Jesus. I just didn't buy into it. But we went to church. And I guess it was my Catholic upbringing, because if you didn't go to church in my house, you got a beating. <laughs> now, look, some of the beatings were better than Father Rob's homilies. Yeah. But so this is consistently you would yes. go to church. This wasn't a Hail Mary church. This no, was your, your it was my consistent. it was my ritual. Check the box ritual. But yeah. but in that process, I believe God was still seeking me. And even and then when I went in the Air Force, it was a whole nother situation with that. But in every process, I knew that it was getting better and working towards the next thing and working that out and really submitting to the process and knowing that when I got married to Stacy, her father, my father-in-law, was a master. He was a brilliant entrepreneur, and he coached me, and I learned so much from him, and I knew that I was being taught by a master. And I think what I tell a lot of people, too, is that in those dark times, in those struggles, that's when your metal's tested. And that's what, it's like David. David went through a lot of metal testing. He got anointed at 17, but he didn't get to sit on a throne for 20 years. And he went through a metal testing. Yeah. And his father-in-law tried to kill him. Mine didn't. <laughs> he might've thought about it, but he didn't try to. So, but in those times, in those storms, in those difficulties, yes, I've been broke. Yes. I've made some major mistakes as a owner of a, a big, huge company. I've made mistakes. And you know, I've grieved those mistakes and I've repented from those, but yeah, I mean, and then I remember one time I went out there and thought I could do these special advertising commercials and I spent $500,000 on actors and studios and all this stuff. And, and it, the ROI on that was a negative. Oh man. <laughs> wow. And that was a huge blunder. So no, I, everything I touch doesn't turn to gold. I have a lot. In fact, most of the things I've ever learned or through my failures. I never really learned from my successes. And that's good. Can I ask, so years later, if we were to strip everything away, put you in a place where you didn't know, you didn't have any contacts, like you're just starting from scratch tomorrow, what do you do? Oh man, today's easy. It's so you don't have the, the black gold, anything the, else in your the, pocket. The black American Express card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no color in your pocket except for the dust. Yeah, yeah. it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh almighty, this is, this is the best time in the world to be alive, to be an entrepreneur. It's so much easier today than it ever has been. Go out and hustle. You go get a job. You go do whatever it is to, to accumulate a thousand bucks. Wash dishes, wash cars, mow lawns, whatever you do, go sell something, you know, grab something and start selling it. Whatever you do to accumulate a thousand dollars, and then you get on the internet. And man, for a thousand bucks, you can look like you've been in business for 20 years. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. You ever heard of Fiverr? Right. Oh my gosh. If they had Fiverr back when I was 23 years old, bro, it's so easy today. Any entrepreneur out there says, man, is struggle. Then you're not, you're not in the game. Yeah. You're really not because yeah. with everything, all the devices we have nowadays, and I get a lot of entrepreneurs come in with me. I got this new app. I got this new idea. I got this new invention. I say, great. That's awesome. Rock on. Now go out there and make $10 profit. Just bring $10 profit in that. And if you do bring $10 in net net profit after all expenses and cost of goods sold, everything else, then you can scale it. And today is so easy to scale. I mean, look, you see people going to garage sales, buying junk and becoming millionaires, selling it at same junk yeah. on a different platform. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's the, the, there's never been a time right now to make millions of dollars than ever before. And especially during this downtime, this is the time to step into that authority, step into the power, step out of the boat. Yeah. Don't walk by sight, walk by faith mm -hmm. and trust in the Lord's going to show, open these things up. And once you start moving, then God's going to move in you. That's so good. And I think that deals with something that you hit earlier. It's, it's facing that fear and believing that you can, because 
I know one of your famous sayings is, what are you pretending not to know? Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of those people, when we're first starting business, what, yeah, what they're things? scared. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Joe. A lot of what happens with most entrepreneurs is that you say, especially if they're married, okay, because generally marriage get together are opposites, right? You got one that's really outgoing and one that's kind of quiet. One's a risk taker and one hides everything in the freezer, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why God brings you together so you can become whole, right? And holy matrimony, right? And so, but with that, you've got to be able to take risks and, but you've got to be able to measure twice, cut once and not worry. So many times I'll be on the phone to a husband and wife and coaching their entrepreneurs. And I'll say, well, he wants to go out and spend $50,000 on this. And I think he's crazy to do that. That's not, no way you should do that. And what happens is by spending that $50,000, the enemy comes in and lets you believe that you're going to run down this path of horrors. And all of a sudden you're going to be on the street with a sandwich sign. That's what happens, which is a total lie from the pit of hell. Because that's not going to happen. First of all, unless you're a, unless you get on heroin or cocaine or you start breaking bad in a meth lab, okay, <laughs> that's not going to happen to you, right? If you're a godly person, if you show up and you've got a community around you, worst case scenario is you move in with your friends for three months until you get on your feet. And guess what? They've got air conditioning. <laughs> they got a flat screen TV and they got a subscription to Netflix. How bad could it be? Right. But we have all this thing. We make up this stuff that's never going to happen. Right. And we worry about that. And that's what holds us back. That's what holds most people back from success is that fear of failure, fear of going broke. Most men, they want to be the provider, right? That's the way God wired us. And we want to be provider. We want to have provision for our family, but we get fearful. I mean, every time Stacy told me she was pregnant, I didn't think about how cute the baby was going to look. I was just thinking how much is college going to cost me? <laughs> you feel me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Women don't think that way. Wives think, oh, this baby's going to be so great. And it is. It's going to be good. But let me see. I need to get seven figures to put this, this baby to yeah. 18 years old. Right. Yeah. And your kids had great taste in colleges, too. Yeah, they, they, they did. Yeah, yeah. Didn't go they to Collin County. They, no, they didn't. No, no. They, yeah, we spent a million dollars after taxes in college education. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and then my kids really got used to eating early on. They got that habit. And, you know, Houston's and ordering. Now they got DoorDash. I mean, come on. I mean, listen, there's so many ways to make money in this place right now. And I don't know if we're always going to talk about money, but, but there's so many things to do that and to bless other people in that. The book by Robert Morris, A Blessed Life changed my life. This is after I was a Christian for six years, really changed my life. Did you have to learn that it was okay to fail? And is that something you feel like people have to learn that it's okay to to go through that process? Or is that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I I think for most alphas, okay, for men, I think they have to realize that their ego is not their best friend. Hmm. It's not, the ego is not their amigo. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Just not because we get this thing called pride, right? Right. And pride's cost me millions of dollars. Mm. Egos cost me millions of dollars. And when I learned how to be vulnerable and humble, that's when I made tens of millions of dollars. And so that's, I think, being fear of or not wanting to fail or never thinking you should fail. That's just immaturity. Mm. And you're always good at. If, if you're not failing, okay, you're not trying hard enough. You know, you're playing it too safe. I, I talk to people all the time to listen. If you don't go out there and if, you're, if your dreams don't scare you, then you're not dreaming big enough. Yeah. If your dreams don't keep you awake at night, you're playing a small game. I love the example you gave earlier with the, with the car. Like that's table stakes right there. Car, <laughs> Ford, business. Yeah. Like, like that's just the mindset. Yeah. I think I love that. Like it's just that willingness to commit. I think that's part of the problem, right? Is it, it's not, it's part of the lack of willingness is you have to be that willing to commit to whatever that outcome is or whatever that plan is that you see that, well, it's just a car. I'll be able to buy as many as I want in six months. That's right. Right. And, and being able to commit to that long game and be vested in it. I think that's part of the problem. A lot of folks when they're getting started is, is, they don't know how much they want to invest. They got one foot on either side of the line yeah, and they need to be fully focused into it in order to, to kind of see the results they want to see. Yeah. It's called commitment. commitment. It, tr- it truly is. And I, I always refer to the breakfast commitment and Joe knows this, you know, the breakfast commitment is if you take ham and eggs, right? You look at ham and eggs. Well, 
the chicken had something to do with that, right? The chicken was in there, but the pig was committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It, it's all about commitment. Are you all in or are you not? It's like Jesus says, are you lukewarm? Mm -hmm. I'm going to spit out lukewarm. Are you either hot or cold for Jesus? Are you hot or cold for business? Yes. There is no lukewarm because lukewarm mediocrity breeds mediocrity. The highway to excellence is wide open, but the road to mediocrity is bumper to bumper. So if you want to get on that, because the extra mile, you can go as fast as you want on the extra mile. Right. Okay. And so to do that, you've got to go out there and be committed. And yes, you're going to sometimes do a full face plant. Yeah. It hurts. It does. But don't be afraid. You know, I had, I was coaching this one guy. It's amazing what happens out there. I was coaching somebody and he's scared to do his business because, because this guy's brilliant, smart, got all the Ivy league education. He's got a few hundred thousand dollars in the bank, but he's afraid to go out there because he's afraid somebody's going to laugh at him if he fails. And the fear of man holds back people so much in business and or FOMO. You know, I got to go out and do this because I don't want to be left out. That's just, that's just the enemy giving us distractions and holding up a shiny object instead of focusing on Jesus. You step out of the boat, okay? If you step out of the boat and you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to walk on that water. But if you take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to sink, right? And so if, if we get, if you can't walk by sight, you got to walk yeah. by faith. And don't worry if you step out of the boat and don't worry if you stub your toe. Don't worry because you're going to be okay as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you keep focused on that, focus on the prize and hey, welcome failure. I mean, I remember when I first came to Christianity, in fact, Michael Malton was preaching. He said, I, I, he says, I, I couldn't wait for my first prosecution. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. And I thought, okay. <laughs> and, but I get it because that, because you're not lukewarm. You're either all in, yeah. okay, or you're not in. And that's how I would, I was not in for 48 years. Then one day I was in, I was all in. And it cost me, it did. It cost me. I, a lot of people I don't hang out with today. Because now I went out there and I was kind of radical. You know, I was like fire and brimstone with a King James chaser, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I eased off that after a while. Said, hey, McIntyre, you know, you're going to be on the, preach, in the corner preaching. Nobody's going to listen. I said, you're right. So I had to come back on that. And, and, and that, that was just because I got so enthusiastic with the Holy Spirit. And it was really exciting for me. But, but with that, I think it's important to, to say, okay, I'm willing to go all in. I'm going to go for broke. Because if you're not willing to go for broke, Okay, if you have that slight hesitancy, then it's gonna, it's not gonna work. And it's like snow skiing. You ever go snow skiing? If you're coming up over the black and you hesitate for a second because it looks, you know, you're gonna wipe out or you can't go. But if you just keep going and going with the flow, it's like, man, this is good. I'm really making it until you're not. <laughs> Did that answer your question? I think so. I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, I, I see a trend right now where you, you see a lot of people talk about lifestyle businesses. And I know it's just a brand or whatever, but I, like, I know a guy right now and it took him 10 years to build multi, 10 to multi, multi-million dollar business that eventually got acquired, sold and get sold again, more power to him. He's put in 20 hour days over and over again. And now it's easy. Now it's a lifestyle business, but he's got an army behind him. Sure. It took time. Right. And then I see kind of this, you know, you could be, you can be profitable in a day. Sure. But this idea of, well, you just put in a couple hours, you get a lifestyle business, you can do whatever you want, go take pictures on Instagram, however you want. And that, and like, <laughs> if, if your goal is to go take pictures on Instagram that you think look good, well, then go do that. But if your goal is to build something of value, something of value for yourself, for your family, for your legacy, the kingdom, which will be an outcome of that naturally, then it takes a different type of commitment. It takes mm -hmm. a different kind of resolve. And you got to be in it for the long haul. But Christ is, I mean, God is in it with you for the long haul as well. And so you should just be committed to, I mean, talk about lifestyle, just be leaned into it, always be leaning forward. And I think that's, that'll, that'll work well for you. It's good. It's a good point, Pierce. It's so true. I always tell people, I said, listen, if you want to be a true entrepreneur, you're going to have to work for five years like nobody else has ever worked, but then you'll be able to live the rest of your life that nobody else gets to live. Right. And it's so true. You know, I, I remember many, many days, Stacy and I, when we first got married, I was on the road six days a week. And I saw her on Saturday night and Sunday, then I was on the road again and did that for six years. But man, I was making 600 grand a year, 23 years old, 25 years old. 
Not a bad gig. Didn't have time gig. to spend it, too. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, we were rat-holing that, man. I had that stuck in some you know, offshore Chicom co- you know, account. But no, <laughs> but but we, we didn't have children at the time. Sure. And so we were afforded that. And we did get to travel, and we did travel the world. And when we did go on vacation, we went on very nice vacations. But, but yeah, it is a commitment. And so those that want that lifestyle, and even so, I mean, you've got to be able to thrive in that ability to be agile and to put in 20 hour days, even if you're, if you've got $25 million in your checking account, because I don't believe God wants you, if you're given that gift of, of the Joseph gift and you're making money and you're, however you're getting, look at David Green. I mean, this guy owned Hobby Lobby, you know, he gave 70, 70% of his income last year, $3 billion to Jesus. Okay. You think he's just sitting around all day? I, I got to hang out with him and his wife down in Fort Lauderdale. And so I asked him, I said, hey, I want to stay where you guys are staying. I figured they'd be at this nice, really nice big hotel because I kind of like those things because of my insecurities. <laughs> just being up. Yeah, just being real. And uh, I said, hey, where are you guys? I'd love to love to be there so I could buy you guys dinner and hang out. And so, yeah, we're at the Days Inn over here. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Wow. I said, oh, man, I don't like the Days Inn. <laughs> Was the continental breakfast everything you hoped it would be? (laughs) But I love the fact, and they're just humble people, and they're just all about, I mean, they wrote a check for the museum, the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. for $500 million and didn't break a sweat. That's pretty awesome. And so, yes, it's nice to have a lifestyle. It's nice to go on private planes. It's nice to go all that, but it is. But if you're in your business, if you're in what I call the river, Okay, if God's blessed you in making money, creating businesses, teaching, preaching, whatever it is, it should never feel like work. Right. I mean, you you should as soon as you you know the you know I I have the five o'clock five a.m. club five handle club. If you're not getting up in five a.m. between five a.m. and five fifty nine a.m. every morning, you're not excited about life, and you got to get after it because that's because you're only given so much time on this planet, right. right? You know, I mean, what some of us are only given twenty years, some of us are given a hundred years, so. If you're breathing, you got a purpose. You need to get after it. Yes, take time. Enjoy your victories. Enjoy your nice things. Enjoy the Bentleys. <laughs> why not, right? You know, there's Christians that build those things too, right? Yeah. So why not enjoy that stuff? But also when your lifestyle, if it's all about your lifestyle, then I think you lose focus. Coming here to hang out with you guys and to be able to do this brings life to me. And I don't think you're paying me for this, are you? Uh, <laughs> We'll cut this out. <laughs> so yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Two words right now. Crap. And now <laughs> on to our sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, we only have a little bit left. I do want to. Yeah. There is one question that I've been dying to ask you. And since I have you here. You scare me, Joe. You know, no, <laughs> this one isn't. It's actually very connected to, to one of the, the questions that you had, had mentioned. So I'm curious. You did start off basically by yourself when you created your first business. Yes. And now, even in what you're doing, I guess you sort of created your your own team as far as you, you have Stacy and uh, Brianna, Brianna and, yeah. and, and your amazing family. But I know your natural bend is you're, you're a salesman. Like you mm-hmm. started off, that's just, it, it's who you are. Mm-hmm. It's what you do. You're a visionary. But how did you scale a business? Because I, I know eventually you had to have some systems and processes mm-hmm. in there and and not just promise the world. You had to have someone to, to back that up. Yeah. What did that look like? What is building a team? How do you scale a business? Good. Great question. So what happened was for me, I learned, I watched other people. I watched what worked and what didn't work. I watched how my father raised us and how I knew I didn't want to raise my children. I learned from that. And somebody told me a while back, they said, listen, a wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a genius learns from others' mistakes. Mm. And so growing up. And then when I got into the insurance business, got into sales, I was really fortunate to be in part of different organizations that had really interesting organizational charts, if you will, or marketing charts. And they had the country divided up. And so I watched all this. I learned all this and those companies went away. So when I started my own company, I learned that, okay, the first thing I need to do is get a really good fat contract from the insurance company. (laughs) And Again, this is God's hand in this for me because for whatever reason, I was just really good at sales and I had a good, strong work ethic. And so this is back in the Stone Age in the 80s. And so I would go out there and sell and I would sell a lot. 
And I did really good just selling for myself. And then the insurance company recognized, say, hey, you know, how do you do this? And I'd say, well, I, get, I leave the house on Sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon and drive six hours and work six days in some godforsaken place <laughs> and come home. And they say, wow, well, why don't you train some of our sales reps to do that? I say, okay, what's in it for me? That was my first thing because that's who I was at that time. And they said, well, what we'll do is we'll give you a nice contract, okay? And then you can pay them whatever you want. We'll pay you whatever. You, you just submit to all the business and we'll give you this percentage and you pay your people whatever they want. And so that's how I started. And so I started with one person. I brought my brother in, mm. okay? I trained him. He went out and sold. And before I know it, I had seven or eight people. I was making $10,000 a week in overrides. This is 1984. <laughs> <laughs> and... I just had this natural ability to bring people on and I paid them well. And so, you know, and then one thing led to another. And then I remember my brother and I decided, I said, listen, why don't you become the sales manager? And then I'll keep working with the insurance company because I was really good working with the insurance company. And so we expanded. And then what happened was our number one salesperson moved to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. All right. And I thought, well, what are we going to do now? And I said, well, let's open an office in Kentucky. <laughs> so my brother and I went up to Kentucky and we opened an office there. And guess what? It worked there too. And so we had more leads. We hired other people. And that's how we ended up with 40 different offices around the country. We had over 20,000 sales representatives. It didn't happen overnight. Right. You know, it happened over a period of time and a lot of pain, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of difficulty, but it ended up really well and we changed the whole industry. And so, and then once you get some momentum going, once you get some things and you make your mark, it starts coming towards you. We would have people, I mean, I, we had people throwing money at us. I remember at one time we had an insurance company giving me $300,000 a month for leads with no strings attached. Of course, we are giving them $25 million a week in business. <laughs> But those things happen after hard work, dedication, and loyalty. What we were is loyal. And what I always looked for, too, is I didn't care about the size of the insurance company or how big, how many A++ the insurance company had. A lot of people were really into the silk stocking insurance companies. I was in, I was in relationship with the CEO. I wanted a relationship with the CEO of that insurance company. So if I made a phone call, I could get him now. And that's how I built the business. I had three CEOs I dealt with on a daily basis and they were incredible. And each one of them were different. And God blessed me with the ability to walk between in those worlds. And they understood me and I understood them. They wanted business. They wanted good business, but they also wanted, they wanted loyalty. They didn't want me to be out there undermining their business with another company. And I knew that. And so, and there were times when my loyalty cost me money. But then there were times when my loyalty made me millions of dollars. And so I recognized that at an early age to be loyal to the dance with the one that brung you. Yes. Yeah. And bless them in that. And so, yeah, that's how we scaled it. And we just kept recruiting. One of the biggest things I can tell people is recruit, recruit, recruit. And it could be in any aspect of your business, whether you're uh, in business and you're recruiting. And nowadays it's so easy to recruit. You got so many different avenues through all the social media, zip recruiter, LinkedIn. I mean, it's so easy. If I was going to start an insurance agency today, it would be easy. You know, it, it's not hard to do. It's really not. But the key is relationships and having that relationship. And that way, once you get into that relationship, then they will help you scale, you know? And so that's how we did it. And we would recruit. I, we spent, we did a lot of direct mail leads, we, I remember one year, this was probably 1996. We probably spent $7 million just on postage in wow. one year, but we would mail 500,000 pieces of mail a month, you know, and that, and so, but in the, in a few times it was really hard to do that. But once you get past that, it's kind of having it spool up. And right. once you, once you go over that ledge, then it starts help and then build that moment and the build. Yeah, right. And that doesn't mean we didn't, we had setbacks. Yeah. You know, we had, we had times when we couldn't find the mail. We had, because it would go to all over the country. And then all of a sudden the mail would lose it. The mail shop would lose it. And we'd lose millions of dollars. And so it's not all easy. <laughs> it's not for the faint hearted, but on that, that's if a big operation, but if yeah. you want to just have a small operation too, you can, and just have a small operation. And there's nothing wrong with going out there and making three, $400,000 a year for 10, 20 years. Well, I want to honor your time. I know we'll already have to have you back because I really would love to 
dive in deeper to, to just that. But before we end, we do have our final five that we ask to, to every guest here. So with our last five minutes, I'll give you five more questions. You ready, Mac? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So what are your top three must-read books, not including the Bible? It can be business, family, spiritual, cookbook. Okay. Uh, Straight from the Gut by Jack Welch. Okay. Really good book. Uh, good to Great by uh, Jim Collins, I think it is. Great book. And The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. What's The Traveler's Gift? Oh, that one. I'll have to give you a copy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? Check my ego, trust everybody, and never file a lawsuit. That's good. All right. Number three, <laughs> how do you define success for yourself now? Glorifying the Lord and what my giftings are, knowing who I am and walking with that. Awesome. Number four, when times have gotten tough, What's kept you from quitting? I've quit a lot of times. I've just never told anybody. Oh, not expecting that one. <laughs> <laughs> you can quit all you want. Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> so true, man. I feel like you've given us so much mystery in these last couple of questions. We're definitely going to have to have you back. All right. And question number five, what question should we have asked that we didn't? Oh, wow. <laughs> Everybody always asks me about stock picks or stuff like that, or where do I put my money or Bitcoin? So one of those you probably should ask. All right. Well, do you have a quick tip for I'm us? I'm not going to tell you. You're not going to? All right. All right. Well, join us next time on part two with Michael McIntyre. Michael, thank you for yeah. coming on. Joe, um, thank you. Pierce, thank, thank you. you. I'm, it's an honor to be here. You guys are amazing. Can, can I ask just real quick? We'll have it in the, the show notes, but if people want to find out more about you, the next level experience, all that, where, do, where, where can they learn? Yeah, more? thank you. Uh, just go to our website, themichaelmcintyre.com. Everything's there, themichaelmcintyre.com. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, man. Thank Cheers. You. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.